welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. Um, good afternoon. Um, I'm Don A. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, please help me open this meeting with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Amen. All right, welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. This is a closed meeting. Only conference attendees registered as sexaholics may attend this meeting. This is a topic meeting. I will introduce a topic, and then there will be time allotted for sharing on the topic. SA is an anonymous program. Many of us carry cell phones and mobile computers capable of audio and visual recording. To maximize our commitment to anonymity, we cannot allow the use of these devices for recording of anything inside this conference. I have asked uh, Rich to please uh, read... Uh, the opening um, reading. Uh, Rich, oh, hey, Rich. hey, Rich. Um, do you mind coming up here? Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you, Rich. Okay. <coughs> so this is uh, why stop lusting from the essay pamphlet. <coughs> Many of us came to Sexaholics Anonymous, driven to total despair by our destructive sexual thoughts and behaviors. Within the meeting rooms of SA, we discovered to our surprise that lust was the driving force behind our acting out. Sexual lust is an inordinate thought or feeling that drives us to use ourselves, others, or things for self-centered destructive purposes. The spiritual sickness of lust wants sexual stimulation at that moment instead of what a higher power or, or God of our understanding is offering us. Later, we come to see that lust wants anything other than what is offered us each moment. At first, it's hard to believe. As we began to accept this fact, we wondered how we could live without lust. It became clear that we had to give it up, yet we doubted that life without lust was possible. In this fellowship of SA, we met people who have found a way to stop their destructive sexual behaviors. That, too, was unbelievable. Yet by their honesty and shining faces, we knew it was true. They had the answer we desperately wanted. Thanks, Rich. Um, This topic meeting... Um, is called Am I Powerless? Am I Powerless? Um, so, um, as a normal, as a normal young man of what I considered normal to be, um, you know, discovering Playboy magazines, uh, within my dad's bedroom, uh, that that's sparking my curiosity, and then as well as not just keeping on to it, but there was there was just that one thing that kept me going back that made my my heartbeat race, and um, not knowing 
that uh, what I was getting myself into, um, I, I never noticed it progress. I mean, from from being a teenager to magazines to having a, cole- a collection of magazines, and then what, if you looked at it today, would be considered maybe a library of magazines. Um, and I found myself separating myself from my friends, not really being interested. And I mean, back then, you know, we didn't have electronics like, like, you know, our kids do nowadays. We went out, went for bike rides, hit the trails, climbed trees, whatever, what, what have you. And I, I slowly stopped doing that because I had something else that was really more interesting to me and gave me more enjoyment, more fulfillment in, in life as, of what I knew it to be. Um, and then, came videos, uh, the, the, the VHS and the, and the beta videos that I would sneak the, the VCR into my room. And now, you know, now this is, this is something for me to watch. It's not just a, a, a image inside a book. And, uh, I didn't know what isolation was, but I started doing that and it was, it was normal. It, it felt right. Um, so as I, I had my collection of magazines i also had now a collection of dvds and after these dvds started stacking up i started filling shoe boxes upon shoe boxes underneath my bed and became more terrified every day that my mom would find them my mom is a type of person that uh if you're in her house she cleans the whole house because it's her house and i just had to understand that uh we had doors on the bedrooms uh they had no locks um until I decided I was going to put a lock on my door. And uh, I never got any kind of feedback from my parents that I couldn't do that. And there lay my, my kingdom of, of, of acting out. I would wake up in the morning just to get ready to go to school, to not wait to come home and, and act out. Um, but it didn't stop there. You know, growing into my young manhood, as I as I entered the military, these habits that I have formed, which I called normalcy, became my way of life. And as I isolated my friends growing up, I also isolated people I, I came in contact with. I did the bare minimum as far as I had to outside of closed doors. And then back in is where I found myself. Again, to me, this is normal. Talking to guys at work, hearing the same stories they talk about. Um, seeing how lust was apparent, although I did not know that I've been lusting all these years, um, I find myself, um, again, by myself amongst others, if that makes any sense. Um, what my first year in that, uh, as active duty in the military, I got married and that lasted about a year and a half, um, until my wife decided to, uh, to leave me with both of my duffel bags full of magazines and videos that she found in my trunk was laid all across our apartment floor. And not even at then did I realize that I was powerless against this thing called lust. It's, um, it's very, uh, it's very sad when I think back to it because I didn't see the signs and I, you know, it, it took me to get a divorce to still not see the signs and I remarried, had children. Um, and when my firstborn was about eight months in the womb, my second wife finds the same thing except worse. You know, she finds me waking up early in the morning so I can act out to videos in the living room 
where we had six and seven year old children, her, her kids, um, at the time sleeping in their rooms because I, I'd had to get up early around two, two, three o'clock to make it to work, uh, down to San Diego. We lived about a hundred miles from the base. So even at, at that time, when she threatened me with divorce, I didn't, I didn't see that I had an issue. Hey, you know what? This is what guys do. And, um, I was okay with it. I was a little bit ashamed, but I was okay with it. Um, we have been now been married for 16 years and I've been found out from her over half a dozen times, have made so many empty promises to her and God has blessed me to have her still by my side. Um, when I finally retired out of the military now, you know, over 22 years of, uh, of this, um, normal behavior that I had. Um, I get a job up here in LA and we move. And, um, what, what almost broke, you know, what, what almost was the straw that broke the camel's back was my, my last few years in, we were in Japan. Um, my kids were using my computer to do homework and, um, images flashed these pop-ups flashed on the screen and my boys were like traumatized uh from what my wife how my wife explained it to me i could only imagine she came over uh she gave me a call and she said we need to talk when you get home what that led to was um is that six minutes thank you um was that led to was her and the kids leaving off island um i may share a little bit longer thanks <laughs> um so we have a small group um, she left Island with, uh, all five of my kids, my youngest being two months old. Um, and, uh, three days later, she, she came into my command, talked to my commanding officer, told him everything that was happening. Um, and there I sit in still a little bit of being ashamed, but not knowing I had a, a real, real disease or problem. Um, she left island, took the kids, and uh, there I was by myself in isolation. Go figure that. Um, then I retire out of the Marine Corps. Um, I come back to the States, and we try to work things out. We ease back into the same household. I make a, a bunch more of empty promises, and uh, we're together. And here we move up to L.A., and lo and behold, I get discovered again. Um None of those times did I figure program. None of those times that I figure that's what I needed to do. I didn't, I didn't look for a higher power. I was going to church. I figured I had one. Well, everything I was doing wasn't working. And, um, I think I was, uh, too stubborn to hear, but thank goodness I did. Um, God guided me to, to essay. And, um, so it's obvious that I was powerless. And I didn't, I didn't know what that word meant until I got in the program. And I'll just read something out of our white book. Uh, you know, the first step, right? We admitted that we were powerless over lust and that our lives had become unmanageable. If, if someone could only have shown that to me when I was about what, 12, 11, um, I probably would have looked at them like they had a third eye, but at least I would have, that would have been burnt in my head somewhere. Um, so. What SA has done for me is it honestly made me feel what normalcy is. 
um, trying to explain it to my to my boys who are older now, four, you know, twelve and fourteen years old. Um, you know, I thank my higher power. They're gonna they're gonna be here attending the conference as well. You know, my wife um, had had kind of briefed them. She's uh she's an astronaut. She kind of briefed them on kind of what to expect. My my oldest son was here last year, and uh, my younger one, who's this going to be his first time, he said, "Hey, um, this sounds kind of scary." And I said, "You know what?" I said, "At this conference, you're going to see a bunch of people that is trying to recover." I said, "They're no different than the faces you see at the mall, except for." The people that you see on the streets and at the mall may not realize that they have a problem. I said, we're here trying to do something about it. And, uh, it, it, it kind of made his shoulders kind of sink back down like, like he was a little bit relieved. And, you know, SA has shown me honestly what normalcy is. And it's realizing and recognizing that I am powerless over lust. I am powerless to lust. I, I can't beat it without my higher power. SA has shown me steps that I need to take. And it's, it's more than just going to the meetings. It's more than just listening to shares and maybe giving a little bit of a share, but it's also working your steps. You know, thank, thank my higher power for my sponsor, for, uh, the rigorous honesty that, that needs to happen in exchange. Um, people like yourselves that, that make me feel normal. And not so isolated because I, I know I've thought of a lot of really, really crazy things that made me feel like I was less than when I'm not the only one. And I, I have been honored to be amongst a lot of, a lot of people who've come forward and have shared their stories or, or some of their journey that have put me at ease. Um, so. Through step work, I find hope. Through my sponsor, I find hope with guidance. Through my fellows that, that have been in the meetings before me can show me a lot of, a lot of, um, wisdom within this program. But even the, the newcomer in our meeting reminds me of where I've come from. And, you know, when you're on a journey and when you look at yourself in the mirror day to day, you don't see your growth. You don't see your progression in recovery. And by going to meetings and, and doing the step work, I've been able to be lucky to see that. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's service groups that we can work in. There's giving back. Just, just go in the meetings. You know, that's, that's, that's a lot to bring yourself there. Cause I know I've been in very, very dark corners in, in very isolated rooms. Just wanting to let my mind run free and, and, you know, my higher power tells me, Hey, this isn't what I have for you. I have something way better. And he's shown me. I mean, he's shown me miracles every single day. I wake up next to my wife is a miracle. Every day I, I get to hold my kids is a miracle, you know, and it's, it's being able to come down back to earth and realizing what God has given me. To say, hey, you know what? I am worth it. And I am somebody worthy of, you know, being loved. Um, so, um, thank you for uh, letting me share. I have, uh, Jeff here. 
Thanks, Don. I'm uh, Jeff, and uh, I am a sexaholic. And uh, I've been sitting here uh, thinking about uh, my powerless condition. Uh, I was just asked five minutes before the meeting if I wanted to co-share, so I'll try and pull some things off the top of my head. Uh, I, I think the, when I came in here, uh, I'll just kind of share my bottom uh, and how I believe God uh, directed my path uh, compared to the way I thought it was going to go. I, I really had a plan of how I was going to get out of the, the mess I was in. Uh, I had been married about uh, two years to my second wife. She was, uh, was her third marriage. And uh, prior to us getting married and starting to date, she didn't want to have uh, sex before. She's, uh, you know, uh, she was a Christian woman and uh, wanted to do this one right. She wanted to do it right and didn't want to have sex. And so because I'm all powerful, I, I convinced her that uh, that's just ridiculous. You've been married two other times and I've been married once. What the heck you want to wait? I was uh, 40. She was 50. I was like, that's just for young kids. So uh, it turned out that I convinced her. And uh, and then uh, not too long after that, I introduced her to pornography and uh we had a pretty uh we had a good sex life uh for me uh but uh she was a willing participant most of the times but i pushed it and pushed it and i pushed more boundaries and more boundaries with her and uh so it led up to getting finally she had enough of the pornography didn't want to do that anymore but i couldn't quit i just could not i tried i i threw out computers i did everything that i thought i could do i tried going to church as i well you know every time i get caught with uh looking at pornography i would make a promise to her well i i we really need to get go back to church i i really want to do this i meant it i i really meant it uh but I couldn't. I, I didn't realize that uh, uh, my way of thinking, and I have to talk about manageability a little bit too because powerless and manageability is my management skills. I, I realized after I finally got sober that they're, they're pretty pretty bad. Uh, I have a lot of good ideas, and I act on my ideas based on what I want. Uh, I don't really take into account what God wants. So anyway, toward, at the end, uh, I got a, a new cell phone and, and it had a camera on it. First cell phone I ever had with a camera. And within, within days, I was practicing with that camera. And, and she had two young, uh, granddaughters that spent a lot of time with, with us. I never had kids and these two granddaughters were a, a really big blessing to me. They were, they had been with, they were, we'll just say they were underage. Anyway. Uh, I decided it was a good idea to take some uh, unsuspecting pictures while they're sitting at the table and in a weekend that they were staying with us, and my intent was to send them over my computer and lust over them. Uh, innocent enough for me, uh, because I'm a sex addict, I don't think of consequences. thought I could get away with it. I could, I could, uh, I could manage. Uh, it was the first time I had done it with them, and it was over a weekend. And, and Monday morning, I was going to send them off to uh, to my computer from my phone. And uh, 
my wife generally does. I get up before my wife, and my phone was low on charge, so I stuck my phone on the charger, grabbed my coffee, I went out in the living room, and uh, and uh, decided to have my coffee. And, and I heard the steps coming down the hall. My first thought was, go get my phone. And this is like 5 o'clock in the morning. She doesn't get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I walk out in the kitchen. She's got my phone in her hand, scrolling through my pictures. Now, I'd never been caught with pictures before. There's no reason on this earth that she would pick up my phone and look at the pictures. Other than today, I realize I used to say my higher power stopped me. Well, I believe today that her higher power stopped it from getting out any worse. I give, I give her the credit. I don't, I don't take credit for that at all. Uh, and that was, that was my bottom. Uh, I begged her not to tell the girl's parents, her daughter and son-in-law, and uh, and she didn't for a little while. And and uh, so I told her, you know, this is it. I'm done. Uh, please don't tell anybody. We'll 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 handle this. We'll handle it. I'm going back to church. I went to church and went up for prayer and and uh, came home. And I'm crying and you know because I had a spiritual awakening, of course, at church. Uh, and the son-in-law is there. And, uh, and he confronted me and, uh, uh, I was scared to death. Uh, again, making a lot of promises. Uh, I agreed to go to, uh, well, actually at the, when I went to church and I went in for prayer, they said, there's this, this men's group. There's a great, there's perfect timing. There's this, there's this men's group that deals with lust and you, you that's where you, that's where God's going to lead you. I'm like, perfect. You know, this is, this is uh, all powerful God working in my life. And so I call and after this confrontation, I kind of agreed that, uh, maybe I should get some help here and agreed to go to therapy and and uh at this when I went to church they they sent me to this uh man that was leading this group and it was going to start up in a couple weeks and uh so and he tells me a story kind of like we do he told me a story and and he had been with transsexuals and up in LA and 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 uh he doesn't do that anymore and he leads this church group so i i felt wow he, you know he's 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 like me he's he's got problems he's he's so i told him my story and uh he got really quiet when it, because it's underage kids and and i i found out later that uh you know, society really frowns on that Talk about underage kids. People don't look at you like, uh, you don't fit in with us. And that's pretty much what he told me. He called me the next day and said, you know, we can't have you in our men's group. Uh, you got, you got some big problems and we can't have you sharing that. Uh, you need to go talk to the pastor. So that's my next step. Go talk to the pastor because I'm on this mission. And, uh, through this talking to this pastor, telling my story, and he tells my wife to divorce me. He's like, "You get away from that guy, He's a pretty sick guy there." So get away from him. Uh, and I'm still determined. So I go to therapy, and I and I. Uh, this is my management again. I tell the therapist, "I I never touch the girls. I never uh, did anything physical with them. I'll see you, but you can't report me." And I'm serious with him. And you cannot report me. Uh, and, uh, he agreed to that. I'm, I'm a pretty powerful guy. When I get my, try to get my way, I'm, I'm, I want you to do what I say. But, uh, about a week later, my wife went in and talked to him and she said she didn't know. And, uh, I got reported. 
so long story short, I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm actually on the side of my house, uh, knowing the cops are showing up and going to throw me in jail. And I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm scared to death. Uh, and my plan isn't working out too well here. I, I'm, I'm kind of losing my place. But this therapist also said there, there's, there's these meetings, these SA meetings. It's 12 step group. And, uh, my wife's, uh, daughter did some research and she came over and said, you know, if you ever want to see these girls again or, uh, your wife, uh, you're going to go to this SA program. I've done a lot of research. You're going here. It's a 12 step program. And, and, you know, I, I knew about 12 steps. I'm a recovering alcoholic and been in meetings for over 10 years. And I told my wife is, uh, because I'm power, I'm, I'm, I got power and I'm managing. I told her, screw that. I said, I'll go to, I'll go to just, but it's not going to work for me. It's not, I tried that before. I, it isn't, I'm going to go to church. I swear to God, I'm going to go to church. Uh, and, uh, so I told him, I, just to get him off my back, I'll go check out these stupid essay meetings, this 12, stupid 12 step program. Uh, and, uh, I did. Uh, that's, that's when, and I'll just finish up with this because, uh, uh, the man that, uh, two guys that, uh, shared their story with me in the newcomer meeting, they had very similar stories. Both of them had, had done things with underage girls and, and I told them my story and they, they didn't tell me to get out. Uh, I've since dealt with other people that have had under, done stuff with, uh, young people and, and, uh, I don't condone it. I, I, ser- I, t- I tell them that's, that's really serious. It's not good stuff. It's bad behavior. It's not good, and don't ever tell anybody that, uh, you know, you were just, you know, you didn't know what I was doing, because we do know what we're doing. So anyway, I, I found SA. Uh, I can't say I loved it or fell in love with it, but I knew I was in the right place, and uh, that, that uh, one of the guys became my sponsor for a while, and uh, uh, I can't say my life is perfect today, but you know, by doing a first step and this guy took me through the steps, he introduced me to a, a recovery group that was doing a 12 step process through the big book and everything that, you know, I, I truly believe today that God shut all those other doors of, of what I was going to do and put me here. And I tell my wife today because she would like me to be in church. And I said, you know, I, I like church, uh, but I believe essay is where god wants me i believe today that god wants me here he would he brought me here for a reason uh i'm probably running a little bit long here but uh uh i i realized by my first step after i edited out all the garbage that uh in the page after page of the page of me looking uh like this uh kind of cool guy and doing a lot of stuff and i edited it all down uh, and it was end up about three pages, and I said, "That's it. Uh, I am a sex addict. Uh, I got problems, and I need help with this." And uh, by my story, my story told me that uh, I am powerless uh, in my management skills. I think management is as big as powerless because, uh, you know, 
my way of thinking, I had to learn real on, real early on. I, I'll share one last thing is when I came in here because I had some 12 step knowledge, I thought I knew something because it was starting to come back to me. And it wasn't very long after that, after, and I was in SA when I got reported to uh, child services in the police. And I, I'm mad at my therapist and I'm talking to my sponsor and, and he's trying to give me words and I, I won't shut up. I mean, you won't believe this guy I told me. I, he swore to me he wouldn't turn me in. And, uh, and he looks at me, he looks at the guy next to me, he goes, he's not listening to me. <laughs> and that was the final thing of, of, I needed to hear those words because from that moment on, I was like, I need to just shut up. And I did. I just stopped. I said, you know what? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, uh, my life is better today. I'll just say it's better. Uh, I'm still powerless. I'm, powerless over my wife and her being angry at i'm powerless over people that work for me and uh and i'm powerless over lust thanks for letting me share thank you jeff all right um this meeting is now open for sharing we ask that sharing be pertinent to the topic no crosstalk please If someone feels another member is getting too explicit, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Please introduce yourself before sharing. Um, So our timer, you can go ahead and do the the three minutes, uh, two with a uh, one-minute warning. And um, if you're willing to share, could I ask for you to please come up here so that uh, you can reach the microphone? You don't have to run. We're, uh, we're pre- we'll share for the rest of the time. Yeah. I have a lot to share, but, but, um, you know, you know, as, as, as you all probably know as well, um, there's a lot of recovery that's going on throughout this weekend. And, um, you know, I know that I get a lot of that from everyone else I hear. Um, so for me to be able to share what I have, um, I'm hoping you, you get the same from me, but, uh, I have, I have a, a lot of, to talk about as well as, uh, Jeff, but please come on up. Uh, we would, we would love to, uh, to feel your love and, and your, your, uh, your ways of healing us too. Here. The topic is, am I powerless? Yes. Yes, I am powerless. <laughs> um, my name is JW. I'm a sexaholic. Um, grateful to be uh, powerless because it means that I don't have to keep trying to do things that don't work anymore. Can I? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I just, I remember before I came into recovery, I would just, I just try things. I remember I did a, uh, a Tony Robbins thing where I, I, it was great. It was this exercise where I'm gonna imagine if I don't get this under control, what's my life gonna be like in five years? It's a freaking nightmare. And I'm through. I get it. 
and I go back and do it. Because to me, being powerless means that I can never not do it on my own. I can't stop. When I stop, I can't stay stopped. I remember one time I was, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to be speaking tonight. I hope I don't blow all my, what I have to say here. <laughs> don't tell anybody it's on the recording. So, uh, I remember, you know, that again, a lot of this came out after being married because it became so much more friction, uh, to be a, a sex addict in marriage with kids than it was as a single guy. I just, I didn't have any conscience. I was a pig. I just did what I wanted to do. But when I got married, and I just tried so many different ways, and one time we were moving, and, you know, moving can be very engrossing, very intense activity. I really wasn't going to act out, and I got ten whole days actually sober from acting out. And I was pretty certain that, I think I got this one now. I got my ten days. I think I'm okay. So my wife's at the, the at the new house, and I go back to the apartment to just clean one more room, the bathroom. And when I come out of the bathroom, I was like, "What the hell just happened?" It was just like, right? Is that the two minute mark? Is your name Mark? No, sorry. I'm a. <laughs> I like to do jokes. Um, I I. I just tried so many ways to control it, like, okay, I just won't buy pornography, or okay, I just won't go to prostitutes, or I, I just, I'll only do it once every other day, I'll only do it once a day, or I'll do it without images. I tried every possible way I could find to not be just powerless. And then when I came to SA, I found out you're powerless. That's your problem. That is your problem. That is the problem you have. You have no power. And the other thing about it that I noticed too is, is that besides being powerless over not being able to control it, not being able to stop it, is that I also couldn't keep it from getting worse. I really like what was spoken about earlier because I know that that was a progression. And, uh, I could tell that if it was just a matter of time before if I, you know, let's put it this way. I've been in SA since 96. I've been sober this time six years. It's the longest I've been sober. If the guy who came in here in 1996 had been given free sway to just continue on, that's over 20 years. If he was alive, I wouldn't want to run into him on the street. I would walk down the other side of the street. It's just, it just completely it's not only what I do, but what it does to me. It's like it just kills my spirit. It kills my soul. It's death. It's it's real death. It's much more death than dying, if you know what I mean. To me, it's like when I get involved in any kind of lust, pornography, anything like that, which, thank God, has not been going on for quite some time, I can feel on the inside I'm dying. And I don't have any power to make it so that that doesn't happen. It's like drinking poison. It's like if you drink poison and it's the fatal kind, you're going to die. You can't do anything except get your butt to the ER and hope to God that they can save you. Well, my ER and now actually my way of life is SA. And I'm just, I'm so grateful because I, I just, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't wish what was happening to me on anybody. But if you're a sexaholic, you couldn't be in a better place than in Sexaholics Anonymous as far as I'm concerned. So uh, 
that's a foreshadowing of whatever the hell I'm going to talk about tonight. But thank you. And I, I needed to talk a little bit here to kind of prime the pump. So I'll turn the meeting back over to you guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you, JW. Oh, really? Okay. Why? Uh, I can um, figure out something. I got all kinds of material. But anyway, my name's Steve. I'm a recovering sexaholic. I see. And uh, I'll leave with my weakness. I'm, 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 I'm not sober. You know, I'm. I'm just acted out yesterday, and I, I, I'm scared to. I got back into my addiction again, and I, uh, I'm hating life. You know, I, I didn't want to come to this thing. I, I didn't want to be here and face all you guys. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. You know, I thought I could handle it. Uh, internet on my phone. It's just, I was talking to a guy who's doing a renewal, and, he, and I he said, "Well, if I had that." I'd last a couple of days and I, I heard, when he said that, I heard him, you know, and I thought, well, I'm stronger than that, right? I, uh, cause I've been around a while. I know what this program's all about. I know this book and all that, that doesn't mean anything, you know, and sure enough, um, and I thought, well, I need it for work too, you know, I, I need to use this thing cause they, they gotta get a hold of me all the time and, uh, it's not true. It's not true. So, and uh, I'm, I'm really uh, glad. I mean, I'm, this is I belong here. I mean, I'm a re- pretty low bottom sexaholic, and it, and if you don't, if I don't stop, I'm I'm gonna really destroy my life because I've done a lot of things uh, I should have been j- in jail for or uh, thought about it at least of doing it, you know. And uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for God and the fellowship, the fellowship. You know, I mean, this program saved my life. I mean, how many times, you know, I've been, I went to the New Jersey conference in July, you know, I went to the Israel, Israel conference in January. <laughs> it's a long way to go for a meeting, you know, but <laughs> had a great time out there, you know, anyway. but yeah, I can be miserable anywhere if I'm not sober, though, I'll tell you that. And I have lack of power, you know, it, it just says in the book, if when you really want to stop and you can't, find you can't, and then, or if when you have, when you start, you have no control over this thing, you know, then you're probably a, a sexaholic. <laughs> and so you have to have a spiritual experience or you're doomed, you know, you are doomed. And I believe, I really believe that. So I don't know if that made any sense to anybody, but I, I had fun saying it anyway, but I'm going to pass. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Steve. I'm Michael. I'm a sexaholic. <coughs> Yeah, this week was a reminder to me of how powerless I really am. Um, I had a relapse this summer and again about a month ago. And, uh, I've been going along and did some mission trips and, you know, so I was 
giving to other people, but we're kind of back from that. So it's kind of off the high into the valley. And, and I, I woke up this morning just really feeling disjointed. And, um, I found myself going on Pinterest, which I have gotten myself off of Pinterest because I can go to stuff there really quickly. And, and I started looking at some images and I, I realized, you know, I have not been in touch with my higher power this week. I have not given myself to him every day and taken that time. And it really showed, it was just like, aha, yeah, I really am powerless over this. I have to give myself up to God every day in order to, to make it. Otherwise, I'll be right back out there too. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks. So my, my name is Rich, and uh, I'm also a recovering sexaholic. And this uh, this whole concept of powerless, as we started talking about, it, I started thinking about how does it really how does it really ring for me? And I've been a sexaholic as long as I can remember. And it, for me, it started off in the early days, you know, looking through the J.C. Penney catalog, and and then I remember just waiting to get the newspaper ads on Saturday so I could flip through those little color pictures. And, uh, and then it just progressed as I got older and into the, to the point of having affairs, being married and having affairs multiple times and being in places, um, having sex with people who are not my wife in these weird places where I should have been, I could have been caught and arrested. And, you know, the way I justified it all those years is that I, I was two different people. I was this one person who was a business executive, upstanding, helping other people, going to church, doing all these kinds of things. And then I had this secret side, the secret side that only I knew about, or at least I thought only I knew about and these other women knew about. And it was I was two different people. And that's where I think – this whole thing of powerless came in for me because I, I was totally powerless to get rid of that other person. I, you know, and I just rationalized my behavior that that's not really me. That's this other person doing this. And that other person didn't care about anything other than getting my, being satisfied in my addiction. Didn't care about my marriage. Didn't care about losing my kids. Didn't care about losing my job. Didn't care about public. I didn't care about anything. Because I was so out of control. And I'll tell you, for me, I, I think I would be in jail. I'd be dead um, if it weren't for God stepping in and just blowing everything up for me. And what happened, and, and I'm thankful because I, I don't think I could have ever gotten to a program like this if it weren't for, if it weren't for this. But I got found out. I got caught. And, um, by somebody, you know, I was, I was with this other woman and her husband found out. And called me on the phone and said, Hey, I know what's going on and you better tell your wife today because if you don't, I'm calling your house and I'm telling your wife and I'm telling your boss and I'm putting it on the internet and I'm going to the Wall Street. I was an executive in a big company. I'm going to the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to make it public. I'm going to contact, I was on a board of directors. I'm going to contact everybody on the board and I'm going to show them your emails that I found. And I had, I had, that had to happen to me. I had to get blindsided with a sledgehammer 
and to, for me to blow up that other that other person, that secret other person who was living this. And I had to be humiliated with my wife, and I, you know, I did. I confessed to my wife. I told her everything. I had to confess to my kids. I thought about even going in and confessing to my boss, and which I I didn't end up doing, but um, because this guy who threatened me and did all those things to me, this husband, um, he had grace like I have never seen from a human being before, because. As I was getting ready and I was, he was texting me back and forth and he actually, he ended up talking to my wife and was comfortable that I had confessed everything to her. And then, um, <clears throat> we were texting back and forth and I said, I'm going to go to my boss and I'm going to go and confess and I'm going to go tell him because I thought he was going to tell him anyway. So I thought I got to get the slate clean. This guy sent me a text back and he said, look, I am a better husband than you are. I'm a better man than you are, which I agreed with. He said, but. Don't go to your boss because I'm going to give you grace and I will tell you this is – for me, this is now done. I will – you will never hear from me again. I will never repeat this again to anybody. All of our emails back and forth and our text messages will be destroyed um, and I just want to bless you and I – and I'm actually going to be praying for you. And I I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that God would intervene in a way like that and show me grace, show my family grace and for this man – after I had humiliated him and been with his wife, it was unbelievable. So that was about five and a half years ago. I've been coming to SA. I'm in meetings all the time. I went to Pure Desire. I've been to Every Man's Battle. And I'm sponsoring tons of people. And I've been sober now for five and a half years. And um, if it weren't for this program, I would be dead. I would be dead. And and by the way, and one other piece about that being dead, when I was living my life as this dual person – um, life was horrible for me. My marriage was horrible. I hated life. All I was looking forward to was the day that I died. I was just getting through life and said, I'll go, I'll go through life. I'll be miserable in life and someday I'll die. And that's it. That's all there is to it. And now I am, I am such a happy guy. I have a, my wife stayed with me miraculously through all that. I have, I have a marriage now that I never thought was possible. Never in a million years. A relationship with my kids I never thought was possible. And I have hope now that I never thought was possible. I mean, it is, it's a miracle. And it's because of this program. It's because of people like you. Um, and it's because of all of us that are willing to be honest and share with each other is as tough as it is. So, um, I'm just glad to be here and I'm thankful to all of you. Thanks for listening to my story. We got time for uh, one more share. My name is Andrew. I'm a sexaholic. My sponsor recently put me back to step one because I haven't been sober. I had a period of sobriety, but it wasn't really all that long. But I, you know, I was able to taste something that was different. Um, I worked the steps to the best of my ability, and this isn't the first time that that's happened, that a sponsor has sent me back to 
step one, I had a previous sponsor do the same thing, and I left him. Um, moved to my current sponsor, so I'm at the similar place where I was at then, where I feel like, oh, this program isn't working for me. It's not right, and I have a whole bunch of excuses. Steps don't work for me. I've been reminded recently, maybe I haven't hit enough bottom, but I don't want to hit a bottom. I feel the bottom is emphasized a lot, so I don't really have a story with a really, maybe, maybe I'm just my own experience, a really down deep enough bottom for me to actually feel powerless. But I don't want to hit bottom. I want to get better. Um, to a certain extent, I feel like I'm deprogressing. My, I can definitely <coughs> see the progression of my disease, and I somewhat feel like I'm deprogressing. In the sense, what I mean is, I haven't looked at porn for a while. Um, my last acting out, my last slips have been just acting out with myself, resorting to fantasy in my head, and they've been spaced out. But I don't know. I don't know if that's real or not. Um, you know, I'm not experiencing the isolation that I used to experience. I'm in the program. I go to a lot of meetings, even when I slip. Um, so I guess I don't know. I just, uh, um, part of me is a little confused. And, uh, still trying to figure things out. And maybe that's an issue. That's, maybe that's a problem. <laughs> so I'll just stop there. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for sharing. Uh, in Sexaholics Anonymous, it is our primary purpose to stay sexually sober and to help others achieve sexual sobriety. Our experience teaches us that attending meetings, working to steps, and giving and receiving sponsorship are key elements in maintaining our own sobriety. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. Here, here. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.